Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. Gabby Roslin is my podcast guest today. She is one of the country's most popular presenters. She rose to fame as co-presenter with Chris Evans on Channel 4's The Big Breakfast between 92 and 96. Her radio work includes sitting in for Alan Carr on BBC Radio 2, co-hosting BBC London's Breakfast Show and her own weekly show on BBC London Radio on Sunday afternoons. She also has her own podcast called That Gabby Roslin Podcast and her chats are always about having a good time, celebrating the good things and spreading kindness. She has brilliant guests on there like Dame Judi Dench and Robbie Williams, people that she's known over the years and it's a really great listen looking behind the showbiz curtain. Gabby is also a patron of many different charities and she's a real joy to follow online. I really enjoyed this conversation because we talk about how people have always questioned her positivity. People have often called her too happy and how we sometimes try and bring down people who are genuinely positive, which is a very strange thing that we seem to do, especially in British culture. This episode is about not apologising for your own positivity. If you're genuinely in a good mood, you should be allowed to be in a good mood. We talk about finding the joy in the smaller moments of life. And we just had a really good heart to heart. So I hope you enjoy listening to this episode. So welcome, Gabby, to Control-Alt-Delete. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you so much. What a pleasure to be on your podcast. Wow. One of the originals. <laughs> I um, I know that you love your job and we have that in common, but I so much has changed. I was going back and looking at everything you've done and you've done so much. And I just thought we could start with talking about how things have changed and how you now have a podcast and you're doing lots of different things. But what's been the most interesting change for you over the last few years? Do you know what? I don't think of it as change. Isn't that weird when when you say lots of change? And I think to myself, I don't know if it has. That's really weird. Um, I think it just, I, I've always had uh, dreams. So it was ever since the age of three, and I sort of bore everybody with the story, but ever since the age of three, I wanted to be a TV presenter. And for me, those dreams don't ever leave. It just, and you call it side hustle, whatever, just things that evolve around do it becoming a TV presenter are the things that then move me on and continue and let me carry on following my dream. Does that make sense? So for me, it's not change. It's just growing and new things. It makes so much sense that you would think like that because you're so you're such a positive person. And I was re-listening to a few episodes of some other podcasts you'd been on as a guest last night. And I genuinely felt so happy. You've got such a well, that's why you're so good at your job, but you are it's very infectious. I think people then feel uplifted by you. But I think people find change very hard if they think of it as a negative. But if you think of it as natural and not really a big deal, then surely that helps. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, you know, I think there have been some big changes in society and the way society sees women in the roles that I have been in and hopefully will continue to be in. So I think in that way, things have changed. I mean, there was no denying it when I did when I oh, so I started out 34, 34 years ago. And um, but when I did whatever you want on the BBC on Saturday nights, I was the first female to host a Saturday night show on the BBC and uh, Scylla Black had done it on ITV and I was the first one to do it on the BBC. What? I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous 
but um what when did I do that the when my mum died I started that so 24 years ago and I did it for four years so uh, 24 years ago no one had done it I mean there had been the Scylla Black show and there'd been the Lulu show before I can remember which was sort of um all singing or dancing shows but actually a woman hosting a big Saturday night game show was it was really surprising that a woman hadn't done it before so in that way yes there has been change and I think for the positive um but for me personally I just see it as I think I'd see it all as new things I went for a real meeting yesterday with real people and that was extraordinary. That was quite new and exciting. But that was about something else on from the things I do, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely does. I, I get quite nostalgic, though, for the past. I quite liked it when everyone watched the same thing on TV and you could talk to anyone about like Saturday night's blind date and Baywatch and stuff. And now I feel like if I sit around a table with my family, we've all read different magazines, different newspapers, different podcasts, different TV shows, and we're all sort of divided a bit. I agree. I agree. And actually, funnily enough, we had exactly the same conversation because we watch as a family, we watch Line of Duty, which I'm, I'm one of the ones that has been there from the beginning, from when it was on BBC Two and everyone was saying, you are what are you watching um uh, so and I made uh I did have to make our 14 year old sit and watch it with us and she's she's completely hooked and as my eldest is back from uni so all four of us were watching it and I said we have to watch it at that time because I don't want to read anything on social media we do that with Strictly we did it with Takeaway funnily enough so entertainment shows Saturday Night Takeaway um uh, and with uh the David Attenborough shows so there are very few, I agree with you, there are very few, and I love it when we, and the unforgotten, I didn't want to not watch the the live finale, um, because I knew everyone would be talking about it, but there are few and far between, and I don't think there's enough on television that is, for want of a better expression, family entertainment, but risky, that's naughty, I like naughty television, and there's not much naughty television. That sounds like I mean um, porn. I don't mean porn. But, you know, it's just risque television. But I suppose it's it's funny because we can binge on so many things now. I agree with you that having something dropping every week so you can all sit down as a family together. And there aren't that many now where you wait every Saturday for the next episode or whatever. And I wondered, is that why you love radio as well? Because that regular slot for people is, it means a lot for people. And it's live. See, I love live. So I I grew up watching live television, wanting to do live television, even though I didn't really know what it was. But I would sit down next to Blue Peter and be one of the presenters. And then Saturday morning, telly started and I sat next to the telly and I knew that's what I wanted to do. And then very luckily, I did it for three years on Motormouth. And um, it's live. It's the instant. And it's the the... Oh, it's so embarrassing because it makes me sound so corny, but it's the thing about spreading joy. And I, when I was a child, I said, everyone said, why do you want to be a TV presenter? Oh, you want to be famous? And I, no, I don't, you know, I didn't know what famous, it was, that wasn't it. It was, I wanted to work to make people smile. God, it really makes me sound like some sort of flappy little angel. Hello, everybody. I'm here to make you smile. But I was a bit like that as a child. I always wanted to make people laugh and smile and make them happy. A bit of a Pollyanna. So um, uh, I think I think radio and because it's live and because it's instant and it's in somebody's ear, it's in their bathroom, 
It's in their bedroom. It's on their walk. It's in their car. It's very immediate. Um, and yes, it's it's regular. And I hope people do, you know, for my Sunday show, which I've been doing now for eight years, I can't quite believe on BBC London. And now anyone can get it anywhere. So we get messages from people in Australia and Athens and South Africa, random places that I know I get messages from people. <laughs> so, um, yes, I think I think having something weekly, if I could choose, I would have something daily. That would be my my next dream to go back to doing daily telly probably uh being not doing naughty daily telly um <laughs> but I think it's I think it's the 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 spreading the joy thing so when I, I did a show recently on radio two which was all about spreading the joy and you suddenly realize that that's people want it people do want it even though there are plenty of people who say oh look just piss off I don't want it then they don't have to listen that's the great thing about television that's a great thing about radio that's a great thing about podcasts that's a great thing about instagram if you don't want it don't follow don't listen don't watch simple yes it's so true and the thing about live is i guess it's very authentic isn't it because things go wrong and you're living in yes. the moment and there's no way that you gabby roslin can be filtered or edited when you're live and i think we're crying out for that a bit more because we are seeing still images of perfection, but I love live stuff. Oh, yes, completely. And there is nothing greater than something going wrong. When I did, um, when I was doing the lottery, we had the, for the first time, I think only twice in the history of the lottery draws, uh, the machine broke and I was loving it because we had to live and we had to go, we had to do this, we had to do this. And everyone in my ear going, right, okay, do this da, 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 and think of this and think of this. And I loved it. We came off air and everyone was like, wow, well done. We came out on time. You did, did, did. And they went, how, how come you looking so happy? I went, I loved it. Things go wrong. There is nothing. That, that's what I've been working towards. That's what I've trained to do. That's, there is nothing greater than coming out to exactly the second you have to come out to. There's nothing, there's nothing better than, than the guests not turning up and you having to fill or um, that happened that actually happened on um, the millennium when I did I did 28 and a half hours straight through and we came on air at about 9 or 9 15 on New Year's Eve of 1999 and in within the first 15 minutes and that was the bit I was hosting with Michael Parkinson the great Michael Parkinson and uh, he was on for the first hour or so with me and the last hour and then I had different um different men hosting with me throughout uh, but that in that first 15 minutes I got in my ear because we have earpieces on live telly all the all the cameras and everything's gone down around the world can you fill and I just thought yes 28 <laughs> hours I've got to fill for with not knowing what I'm going to do it wasn't quite as dramatic <laughs> as that and it was only sort of 20 minutes but there was nothing greater and and the the producer sort of getting coming onto the floor, sweat pouring off them, thinking, what are we going to do? And afterwards, we then ended up, we went to Australia, we went to New Zealand or whatever. And the producer went, you look like you were loving it. I went, I know I did. I did. Then I can be <laughs> naughty. <laughs> and that's when you know this is literally the perfect job for you, because I yeah. don't think a lot of people could do what you do. It's quite specific, I think. Yeah, no, I do. It's, it's, it's um, I, I, I suppose in the beginning, I would have been, terrified I still get nervous I get nerve-sighted these days nervous excited which is the greatest feeling it's funny because you saying that about radio and tv and dealing with things on the spot and things being thrown at you and you having to react it's sort of 
quite a life lesson more broadly, isn't it? It doesn't really have to be about radio. I think being able to deal with life going wrong. I wonder if those two things kind of work together. I think they do because I'm very much somebody who is um, brush yourself off and and get up and carry on. I, when when mum died 24 years ago, um, I remember I had, so about three or four weeks later, I had um, the first meeting actually about whatever you want. That's how I know when it started, which was the Saturday night show. And they'd read that my mum had died and I walked into the meeting and I just said to them all, look, my mum had read about this show and this is completely true. She read about it when she was in hospital. She said, oh, Gabby, they're going to be doing a wish fulfillment show on the BBC. There's talk about it. You should be doing that. And I said, yeah, mum, you know, from your mouth to God's ears, if that happens, wouldn't that be nice? And after mum died, uh, they contacted me and said, would I come in and talk to them about it? Uh, it was great. It, and that is completely true. So it was quite amazing. But they all knew that mum had died. And uh, but in my head, I knew that she'd want me to go to those meetings. And it was very much about carrying on. It doesn't mean I, I wasn't. I remember walking through Soho after the meeting and thinking, what's this heavy feeling in my heart? Because I was very excited because they practically offered it to me there and then. And I had this heavy feeling in on in my heart and I couldn't work it out. I remember ringing up my best friend and saying, oh, my God, I've got a new Saturday night show, I think. Um, but I feel really weird. And she said, well, that's grief. And it was so I am a coper. There's no two ways about it. I'm definitely a coper. And it does. I think it does bode well for life for coping. But it doesn't mean I don't feel those things as well. Yeah, I've heard you speak about that period of time where both your parents were very ill and I can't imagine how hard that must have been and it's interesting how you do seem to say that was the turning point for actually embracing your positivity when actually the opposite could have happened it's very interesting well I did embrace it because I got so fed up of all the years of and I know and I apologize if people have heard this story before but I feel so strongly about it that um the press always you you know i I am a woman. I have always been a woman. And uh, there was always a time where, because being the only girl in a lineup of boys on a Saturday morning show, um, you know, I was always the girl. And I, that sounds, obviously I was, but there was a different approach to me than there were to the guys. And mm. they always used to say, oh, you're there to put the smiles on everybody's faces. And, oh, you're not really always this happy. And I always used to say, yeah, I'm sorry, I am. And they used to say, oh, and then every single interview, they'd say, oh, you're always so positive. And I'd always say, sorry. It was weird. It was a sort of, I don't know. I still, I try to work out. I think I tell the story again and again, because I try to work out why I used to apologize. And then when mum died, I thought I'm never apologizing again about being happy because yeah. I am happy and, and I do love life. And I do. The reason I wake up early in the morning is because I can't wait to start my day. And as a child, I got dressed the night before because I couldn't wait to get to school. And I didn't want to go to sleep because I didn't want the day to end. Not that they were full of extraordinary things. And now they are, of course, but they can be the simplest things. And I just laughing. If I have a day where I laugh, then I know I've had a good day. It's it's so nice to hear that story because I think it's a very similar thing for a lot of women where it might not be that that specific example of 
embracing that side of yourself but it might be that we're just being asked to shrink ourselves or be less of ourselves or be quiet and it feels like when people say oh you can't really be that happy that's it's almost someone trying to make you take up less space when actually you're you know you have so much energy and that's what you should be giving I may be but also I think that um a lot of people it annoys a lot of people so that's exactly when I turn back to saying switch off don't follow don't watch you know and I'm of course I have horrible times you know I've been through the death of a parent and my dad in another hospital with a different cancer thank god he survived I've been through divorce I all of those things but um And there are lots of people who can't cope. And I'm very, very, very aware of that. And I do everything in my power to help them cope and to help them spread the joy. Uh, So that is is what I feel strongly about. But there are a lot of people who do not want um, energetic, smiley, happy people. If that's the case, then, then don't watch it. If you do want to feel a little bit better, I hope I can make you feel a little bit better. So I think that's what I've learned over the years and getting older, that's definitely what I've learned. You can't please all the people all the time, but I certainly try to. Yeah. And that's like what you just said. It's the beauty of being able to follow who we want to online that reflects us and inspires us. And it's interesting because there's been quite a few articles on women's websites at the moment about how good vibes only can be, you know, not great for us because actually we need to be sad and blah 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 but then I think what they're talking about is that false positivity that that sort of fake um papering over the cracks positivity but I think what you're talking about is genuine it like it's who you are and that that reaches people because it's real it's very funny there was a um because I do I I know I can't dance but I do stupid things that make me laugh and make my kids laugh and then I, I put it up on Instagram. Why not? If it makes me laugh, then great. But there was something the other day that just messaged me, oh no, not another stupid dance. So I looked and I thought, why are they following me? So I just put, why are you following me? And they said, because you make me laugh. And I thought, okay. And then, uh, and I mean, they can if they want to, that's completely up to them. And then the same person went, put under another one oh I wish you'd just stop (laughs) so I just think well why are you following me then I'm not telling you to follow me don't follow me bye 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 um it is it is but I think I think a lot of people a lot of people are feeling you know especially now there is no denying that it has been a really bloody difficult 14 months for everybody for everybody I know there there are some who have you know untold wealth and just flash their money around and they've flown on their private jets and they're they're deniers of all of this and they don't believe in climate change and they don't believe in the pandemic well those people you know bye-bye but but for I'd say on the whole for most people um it's been an extraordinary time and when it was the anniversary, I remember watching something on the BBC and thinking, God, what we've all been through. My word. Mm-hmm. So there are people who have gone through beyond awful things. I've got a friend who's lost both her parents to COVID, um, her dad first and then her mom. I know 10 people who've died of COVID. So it it's just been 
and horrific time for so many people, people's businesses going under, all of those things. And that is why I want to try and spread joy, I think, yeah. just to make people feel that little bit better. There was a post I put yesterday of just some um, goslings um, on a pond. It was the simplest thing, but my goodness, did it bring me joy. So I just wanted to pass on the joy. So I think it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a, a rib tickling joke or a, a inspirational quote. All of those I love, you see, I love all of that. It doesn't have to be a silly dance. It doesn't have to be somebody falling over because that makes me laugh, I'm sorry. Somebody walking into a tree, nothing funnier. But it can just be, you know, the daffodil or the gosling or the duckling or the, the lamb jumping in the air with its tail flicking. It's those things I think we appreciate more now and they do bring joy. They do. And we should never apologise for joy. And it, it actually reminds me of what you just said about that Instagram comment. I am someone who just loves a lot of things. Like I love books. I love films. I love, I just love a lot of things. And, and I got a comment once on this podcast saying, you only interview people who you really like and you love everything. And I was thinking, I think there's enough in the world of people eye rolling things they don't like. I'm happy to, I'm happy to just talk about things I like. Do you know what? Okay, they take it from somebody who's had that for uh, most of my career. Uh, people always say, why are you so nice to everybody? Why do you like everybody you interview? Why do you like all the shows? Because I do. And I don't interview people about the films I don't enjoy or the TV shows I don't enjoy. And for, certainly for my podcast, there is not one person that I haven't adored, including you. So there we go. And I will only have people on my podcast because I'm lucky to be able to produce that, that I have people that make me smile, make me think, make me chat, make me laugh. And people will always criticize you for that. But carry on being positive because positivity spreads positivity. And if they don't want to listen to your podcast where you're loving a film or you're loving um, a piece of art or you're loving a, a daffodil, then don't listen to, to it. And that is something that does come with age. Oh my God, I said it, I did say it, but it's true. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. If it's going to get more and more like this, I'm very much up for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I talking of, you know, the horrible year we've had and how we have to find the small things... I find your videos of what you're wearing and fun clothes and bright things. It's it's funny, isn't it, that even a little video just celebrating wearing something is goes much, much deeper than just being a wardrobe choice. It can change your whole day and your whole mood. I love those. Yeah, it can. Well, shopping in your wardrobe is something I started about, oh God, I think it might even be three years ago now, because of course last year doesn't count. So we also didn't get an, a year older, which is amazing. Um, so I think it was about three years ago. And uh, I got so fed up with people on Instagram, you know, tap to shop or um, this is this is where I got it and rush out and buy it. And I, I just sort of it was before you had, you know, it was before the affiliate links or the ads. And, you know, I know those are people, jo people's jobs. So I'm not knocking them. I just felt, oh, my God, I can't. I'm not going to buy that. I don't make me buy that. So I just started uh, taking the piss, really. And my youngest daughter um, would film it. And I made up a song 
shopping in your wardrobe. And it was about putting things together that you never dared put together before out of your own wardrobe. Or if you buy one thing, add it to something out of your wardrobe. And I didn't know it was going to turn into this whole movement and magazines talk about it and TV, I've done it on television. I mean, goodness me. But my big thing was always about, I mean, I love, I love wearing white. So there we go. I love wearing white. I do like wearing black, but not fully black. Um, but I, but I love wearing color and Keith Lemon, the lovely Keith Lemon. And I've known him for a very long time, long time, lovely Lee. Um, uh, we've always go on about if you wear a color, it lifts your mood. And what's so lovely is in the past year, when people were just wearing tracksuits, um, and I talked about wearing color, I got so many messages from women and men and young people and older people saying, oh, I put on a pink t-shirt. Oh, I put on an orange bracelet, whatever it is. And this oh, just made me feel differently about the day. And there we go back to the simple things, the simplest things that can bring you joy. Add a little bit of color. You go, oh, gosh. And you look at it and you just feel brighter it is and it's proven I mean scientists have gone on about it now it's so funny all the things that I've been I'm very non-science um banging on about you know uh getting out and walking because I got a Fitbit four years ago and it changed my life as dramatic as it sounds and looking around you looking at the sky listening to the birds looking at the flowers taking in the colors um and I bang on about wearing a color and suddenly now all these science papers are coming out did you know that if you walk, it can do this for your brain? Did you know if you laugh once a day, it can do this? Um, uh, or did you know if you wore a bright colour, it does this to your brain? And my other thing that I was going about is the very first thing I do in the morning, the minute I wake up is smile. And it it kids your brain into thinking you're in a really happy mood. So even if you've had a strange dream, if you smile, you go, oh, and then you feel good about the day. And it's the easiest thing to do. And could we just touch on quickly the your sort of things that you've discovered recently with well-being or wellness or things you've always done because I know that you did you recently stop drinking alcohol yeah well yes two and a half years ago I feel like that's recent enough as well to probably remember what it was like because if I talk to people that have given up for decades it's almost like they're so into it that they can't remember the change but oh I can Can you talk a little bit about why and how and and what what it's brought to you Happily, happily, happily. I'm very lucky that I didn't have a problem with it. But what I did have was uh, horrible hangovers. And I realized I didn't want it or need it in my life. So I would say that I was a social drinker. I was, um, if I, I never just had one glass, I, I would always have two or three. And I, but I never, I never went out to get drunk. So I was never somebody who thought, oh, let's go to the pub. I just want to go and get drunk tonight. I was not that. Probably in my student years, like everybody else, when I went off to college. But but I I wasn't like that, but I did enjoy drinking. And then I got to the stage where I just loved walking so much that if I had a hangover, I didn't walk and I didn't enjoy it. And I just thought, I don't want this anymore. And I always did dry January. And uh, then, I, then I did dry January, dry February, dry March. It carried on and carried on. And I then I had a then I had a few drinks on holiday. Um, I thought, right, I won't drink in the UK. And we went on holiday and then I drank in the summer. I had a couple of drinks. I thought, I don't really like this. And then we went to Italy for four days in the October half term. And so I'd given up in the January in the UK. I know it sounds a bit bizarre, but anyway, because I was walking everywhere. Then I had um, two Aperol Spritz in Bologna 
and I woke up and I went never again and I never have and I if I'd known earlier how much better I would feel about life and how I'd feel more confident because I'm a desperately shy person and I think I'm not as shy since not since giving up drinking weirdly so interesting I've been reading up a lot about Sober Curious which is a a movement by an author called Ruby Warrington and she just asked she kind of encourages people just to experiment it's not about giving up completely if you don't want to but just noticing things and maybe writing a journal and seeing how you feel and I did it earlier this year what did you think I loved it I mean I I, I've got to say I kind of go through phases of just not drinking for months and then maybe drinking for a bit but I think what what she said to me was just you are someone that wants to fill the day with a lot of things and you like doing lots of things. So do you actually have room for the hangovers anymore? And I realised I don't, I don't really. So Well, she's put into words what I was trying to say much, much more succinctly than, than I did. But also, um, and this isn't, I promise this isn't for a name drop at all, but um, it does sound name droppy, but I'm, but Robbie Williams, who I've known for a long time and he was a, my uh, first guest on the podcast series and I've known him oh thank you and he's such a love I adore him and I've known him since he was 15 and we were talking about not drinking and he's incredibly shy he talks about being shy and I talk very openly about being shy because I don't think people talk about it it's weird it's one of those issues that nobody talks about they talk about other uh, everything now people talk about but shyness seems to be the 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 sort of the quiet um hidden um dilemma that a lot of people cope with and I was insanely shy as a teenager and that that teenage me comes out every so often but painful and it's horrible and I get an upset stomach and I I I I literally can't open my mouth and not when I'm working because that's my happy place but um but and I so I used to go arrive somewhere and i just be crucified outside I just I wouldn't be able to move and I think oh my god oh my god and I'd go and get a drink and I'd have a couple of sips and I think oh no I'm okay and I realize now since not drinking I'm not like that at all and I feel much more confident when I walk into a room because I I'm not going to say to my husband the next day oh my god did I say anything embarrassing or I'm not going to have a hangover and I can also get in the car and leave when I want to leave. <laughs> so wow, yeah. it, it's a mixture of things and it's it's given me more confidence not drinking. Oh, that's so, so interesting because it's the flip reverse, isn't it, of what we think. We think yeah. alcohol will make us confident and make us happy and make us sociable, but actually it's the opposite yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. Would you would you say cuz I it, maybe people listening would be surprised if they hadn't ever heard you say you're shy because you are so um outgoing and and confident and because of your job. Is it sort of like a social anxiety shyness or Yes, yes. Uh so the worst I get um is if somebody says would you come to a house party. So I don't mind I don't mind if somebody's having a barbecue in the garden and there are a few people I don't I love I love it because I actually I'm really sociable and I love going to restaurants or going to pub gardens and sitting I'm saying that like I, I'm in complete sort of covid way yeah pub gardens um but but taking me to a house party and I don't know anybody I have I turn into the 15 year old who literally couldn't open her mouth so when I was 15 
I used to go to the occasional party if I if I could bring myself to go and I'd go with my friends and um, I remember a lovely friend of mine called Anthony who is still a friend of mine to this day and he used to go you're gonna be fine you'd be sitting there go, mm. and I just literally couldn't open my mouth and I'd have to go into the loo and I'd have to look in the the mirror I go you're fine you're fine you're fine and then, then I'd come out and I wasn't and I'd, uh, I just thought I want to go home and I just thought oh, I've got nothing to say. And, and they're going to say, well, you know, what do you do? And I'll say, I want to be a TV presenter. And then they'll say, I don't understand you want to be a TV presenter. You don't speak. You're so shy. And and that's that was in that was my dilemma in my head. And it was, oh, I've got nothing to say, but I could talk about television. Nobody's going to be interested in television, but I am. And that was that was how my head would play. Or I was very, very I am tall, but I was very tall very young so I'm five eight and three quarters officially which is stupid height uh, but I was this height when I was 12 so I was taller than everybody and I had braces and I was I just was awkward I was absolutely awkward but I still knew I wanted to be a tv presenter so I used to think that they're looking at me thinking you want to be a tv presenter and in fact that scenario did play out when I was at college, which is another story I've told, where a teacher said uh, everyone was training to be an actor and I didn't know where to go to become a TV presenter. And I went to um, Guildford School of Acting and I loved it, absolutely loved it. And I, I can sing as well. So we were singing and acting and voice. And But whenever anybody says, what do you want to do? Um, I say, oh, I want to do Saturday morning live telly. But there was one teacher and uh, she was quite uh, formidable. And in year two, we all had to sit around and she said, OK, everybody, I want to know your flight plans, your flight plans for your future. You can tell by the voice I'm doing. I didn't particularly get on with her. And um, so people say, oh, I want to be at the RSC. I want to be at the National. I want to go to Hollywood. I want to be in um, a soap opera, whatever. You know, everyone was saying theirs. Gabby, yes, I want to do live Saturday morning kids telly. And she just looked at me, she went, oh, darling, with that face, you're never going to be on telly. If you are, I'll hang myself. And I got up and I walked out of the class and I walked straight to the principal. And I said, I'm never going into her class again because I want to be a TV presenter. And as a teacher, you can't say that to somebody. So I never went to her class. And then there's a lovely follow up to this that about... 10 years ago now so 20 years after seeing her I went to Guildford School of Acting to their final show uh, they, they invited me to come back and I will always sing loudly about my love of, uh, of Guildford I loved it I loved it apart from her and I'd never said whether it was a male or a female I'd always told the story of the teacher and um <laughs> in the interval I was well, I went with a friend of mine who is in a West End show and he knew all about this story and I said I wonder if she'll be there anyway she was and she walked oh past God. me in the interval and she said I never said those things about you and I just turned around and smiled and I said how did you know I was talking about you though because I never said if it was a man or a woman so if you never said them how do you know I meant you and she pulled her coat over her shoulders and she marched off. And she wasn't a teacher there anymore, but she went to see the show. And you oh know what? It, it didn't make me feel good, but it just made me smile. And I just thought, and it wasn't, look what I've done. 
I knew she she had issues or something I don't know but it, but and it didn't make me clap my hands and go ha 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 it just made me think yeah I followed my dreams I didn't let her spoil yeah. my dream and ambition so oh, there's a lesson goodness. to us all for that oh well thank you so much for sharing that because yeah, it's. I think you don't know from the surface what people have had to come up against with with teachers and people in the past and people saying you can't do it. And I think most people have had an element of that, and it's really difficult to overcome. So, I'm so no, glad I agree. you did. And no, I'm, I agree. I because I always ask people about that because my parents only ever said follow your dreams from the age of dot. It's the thing that I grew up with. Follow your dreams. Don't hurt anyone in the process, but follow your dreams. Yeah. And, and to anyone listening, I suppose you. if they feel like they have something like being shy or it, it's so good to know that it doesn't have to impact what you want to do. And I, I know someone who who is very popular on YouTube. She's got millions of followers. She's so great at talking to a camera, but she she can't go to a, a barbecue. And I think she, it's getting better for her. But I think people should understand that those two things can exist. Yeah, but I do think shyness is the great unspoken thing it's extraordinary how I I went to a tv channel recently and said I want to do a documentary about shyness and they said well do lots of people have it and then I came out of the meeting and the person who was holding the meeting came up to me said I'm desperately shy and I went oh oh well there we go and she said, but I don't know if lots of people are. And I said, just, but you just said in the meeting in front of lots of people, are lots of people shy? And you've just now quietly told me that you're very shy. So I do think there is something to be done about it. And I th- I do, th- I don't know why people don't talk about it. It's really, it's a strange thing that people don't discuss. That's why I'm always yeah. talking about it. Because I just want p- more and more people to talk about it. And also the most important thing is if somebody is shy, do not tell them they're shy. Because growing up, you know, I'd have people say, not my parents, but people say, oh, you know, they'd look at my parents, oh, is she shy? And then you say, oh, yes, I'm shy. Oh, yes, I'm shy. It's very weird. It's if somebody said, "Okay, you want to be a TV presenter? Great for you. Not you want to be a TV presenter, but you're so shy that if they'd missed off the but you're so shy bit, that would have helped tremendously. (laughs) Totally. And it's just reminded me, actually, there's a book out called how being quiet can lead to success I think it's called shy and it's all about how we should embrace it it's it's actually really misjudged and we don't have to fix it it's actually it can lead to success and I think that's really important to know that and in fact I'm speaking to her this Sunday on my radio show oh is it Annie Radu oh I'm so glad we got to plug the book because I'm really excited to read that and I think it's so great to hear you talk about it I had I had no idea so I'm going to tell you really exactly inspiring. it is uh yes it is Annie Redo but when I heard about the book I just thought oh my god I have to talk to this person yes yes can't wait to hear that episode Bless so you. anyone listening to this go and follow Gabby's podcast that Gabby Roslin podcast and you have an amazing show on BBC Radio London as well and is there anything else we can leave people with? Not at the, oh no, yes, I'm going to be at Virgin for two weeks. Weirdly, I have the most unrock and roll person, but there we go. I'm going to be filling in uh, the drive time show uh, for a couple of weeks, which is very exciting because it's the sort of music I like. So I'm going to be doing that. And also they can catch up with uh, songs that bring you joy on BBC Sounds. And I hope it brings everybody joy.
Thank you so much for this lovely conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emma.